0: cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue
1: also you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states united healthcare short-term insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage for you learn more at uh1.com but in terms of penetrative sex that did not actually happen until about our seventh year of marriage welcome to the deep
0: i'm zoe marshall In my early 20s, a lot of traumatic things happened and ever since then, I have had this fascination with people and their stories. This is The Deep. I acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which I work and live, and recognise their continuing connection to land, water and community. I pay respect to Elders past, present and emerging. Jasmine was raised as a Christian and saved herself for marriage. But her wedding night was not the beautiful moment she had imagined. Jasmine suffers from vaginismus, an involuntary tightening of her vaginal muscles that makes sex extremely painful, if not virtually impossible. This is a really brave and fascinating discussion on the way that religion and purity culture can have a huge impact on our sexual health and experiences. Jasmine, welcome to The Deep. Thank you, Zoe. You reached out to us with a very unique situation. Can you tell me when did you realise that something was a little off or different
1: for you? It was probably in my teens when I felt that – The things that I was told to believe or do didn't sit right with me, uh, but I didn't have a safe space to ask questions.
0: Were you born
1: into quite a
0: religious family? Yes, I was. What religion was that? Christianity. Okay, so you grew up with a strong faith and – how like if we were talking a spectrum of like someone that is practicing
1: and someone is a little lax, how far are we on the spectrum? Uh, in 100% deep. I was born into a Christian family. I was told that I, you know, gave my life to Jesus when I was two years old. I got baptized. I was heavily in the church for many, many, many years. <laughs> So what is the language then that you're hearing through
0: puberty, through growing up? What are the, I guess, boundaries and the structure in which it is to raise a teen girl?
1: It is very conservative. I was taught the basics of sex. I was not educated on really on my body. Um, Mm. I remember first having discharge, and I thought something was wrong. Right. I didn't know what that was. (laughs) So very limited understanding of the vagina or the vulva.
0: Yeah, correct. Okay. And then when it came to what sex is for, that is just procreation purely. Yep. And then if you had feelings, you know, when you're a little older of desire, is that – What's the interpretation of
1: that? There wasn't really a discussion around desire. Uh, The discussion around, you know, a future partner, someone that you would love and then eventually, you know, have sex with was always in the context of marriage. It Mm -hmm. was very old school. A lot of the terms like courting were going around. Um, You would only date someone if you had a marriage future with them.
0: Did that feel good for you? Did that feel like okay, I'm going to follow this path. I'm going to find a partner. I'm going to get married and I will stay is it virtuous? What is it called when you are intact?
1: Yeah, it's they use the term virginity. Like you'll stay a virgin until you get married. So did that all happen for you? Yes, it did. And it was I was very in, I was in it and that's what I believed to be true for me and my life. How old were you when I got married? Yeah. 21.
0: Okay. So the day comes. The day comes where you will be deflowered. And I'm sure it, it feels confusing in a way because you don't have a lot of information about what to expect, but it'd be quite daunting, maybe a little bit of excitement. What is that like for you? Is that the wedding night or when is that, does that happen?
1: Yeah. I mean, it was the wedding night. We, you know, I had, there was a lot of anticipation. We were something that we were excited for. Finally, we could do this thing that we had been told about for so long and it failed miserably. Is it okay to talk about it? Oh yeah.
0: I'm a very open book. Okay. So tell me about the, if you're going to get a little nitty gritty there, tell me about the moment of penetration or attempted penetration.
1: Yep. So, it was literally like we got to the hotel room. We were like, oh, finally, now's the time, you know, had a shower, you know, got clean from the day and then just boom, straight into trying penetrative sex. Zero foreplay, nothing. Okay. Like just stick it in. Yep. that's Just it. put it in. Okay.
0: What happened? Uh, it hurt a lot. Okay.
1: And did you decide to continue with that or- did you have to stop? We definitely paused and had moments of, okay, maybe we're not getting it right. Let's try something else. Let's maybe be some, do something that's more comfortable. Um, but ultimately, we just kept trying for penetrative sex and that didn't work. We couldn't get it in. It hurt for me. So I was like, you know what? This doesn't feel great. Let's just stop. Mm-hmm.
0: And so going forward, did you have anxiety that the pain would still happen or within- the church or within the guidance that you were given, was there like, hey, there's this lubricant, or hey, there's a little bit of massage or there's something you can do to like
1: help. What was the did what was the step for you? Hmm. I did have a, a friend who had sort of gifted us, I guess, a honeymoon bag or a box of full of things that we might want to use, which did contain lubricant. So, you know, we're like, okay, maybe we need to use this um, you know, let's give it a go. Um, but because of our lack of knowledge around needing foreplay, it was Mm. constantly just this, oh, let's just try penetrative sex again. Let's just try penetrative
0: sex again. From like literally just walking around in the, in your home together into like putting it in. Yeah. No kind of A to B straight to, to Z. Correct. Okay. So how many times had you gone through this motion of let's do this, but without any steps in between?
1: Um, We definitely tried quite a number of times on our honeymoon to see if we could get it working, see if we could make something happen, but every time it just kept hurting. Mm. Um, And so every time it just – I just didn't want to do it then because I was like, well, why is this painful? And I'm sure lots of women – can
0: agree that it, it, it does hurt the first time. What happened or what was in your mind that this was like, no, this isn't just, this isn't just like breaking the hymen and this is a first time thing that's gonna be a little sore. This
1: is actually, I can't do it. I can't move through this. It was definitely on our honeymoon that I had that thought process because there was zero pleasure in it for me whatsoever. And the one thing that I understood to be pleasurable and fun wasn't. And so I was like, well, there must be something wrong with me. I'm I'm the problem. I'm broken. Did you talk to a family member about that or did you seek um, medical help for that? No, I actually felt an incredible amount of shame from that feeling. And I withdrew and didn't want to tell anybody about it because – of the shame that came with that. Were you or are you in love with your husband? Yes.
0: And what was their thought around this? Was it like, we need help or, you know what, just take all the time you need? Like what was their,
1: how did they meet you? Mm. It was very confusing for him because he had grown up also in the same environment as myself with very limited knowledge And he didn't know what to do to help me. And so on his side, he actually felt a bit rejected because I didn't want to try anything because I was like, well, if this just hurts every time, then I don't even want to bother. How long are we talking that we go this lasts without any answers? Like long-term speaking, I didn't actually receive a diagnosis for what happened until six years into our marriage. (gasps) Um, thankfully, though, we did work out things prior to that, ourself, other ways to be intimate. but in terms of penetrative sex, that did not actually happen until about our seventh year of marriage. It's so sad that
0: you felt that way for so long. Yeah, yeah. that is so so disheartening, so confusing. For both of you, what does this mean? People are going to expect children. They're all of these kind of just really difficult. Can you tell us, we'll go back to in between that seven-year period, but who diagnosed you and what did they diagnose you
1: with? I went and saw a GP that was recommended to me and she suspected that I had a condition called vaginismus. And she sent me to a pelvic floor physiotherapist who then gave me a formal diagnosis of having vaginismus. I had never heard of vaginismus until your email. Wow. Explain vaginismus to us all. So vaginismus is the um, muscular contraction of your vaginal canal. It is an involuntary contraction that occurs anytime you attempt penetration of some sort.
0: So when I was researching this, that element of involuntary is the bit that blows my mind because you're thinking, okay, I'm relaxed. I want to do this. I'm all for this. I'm going to tell my vagina to relax and to welcome. And it is not your choice that it tightens up. That that to me is so mind-boggling. What does one do that has this condition to work through it? Is that a pelvic floor specialist women's physio
1: shtick or is it a mind-body thing? How does it work? Yeah, definitely. So it's it's both. It's definitely a mind-emotional connection, but then there is absolutely a physical element to it as well. And majority of the time when people experience this condition, they do go see a pelvic floor physiotherapist for because it is a, um, it's a dysfunction of the pelvis, so you work to rehabilitate how those muscles operate. Oof. I've been to one post-birth.
0: It's not at all a fun place to be. Did you seek treatment there? Yes, I did. We're gonna get into that in a minute. Something that you added to the initial email was around purity culture. Can we discuss this in relation to the condition? Yeah, absolutely. So do you believe that the way you were raised and the things that you learned had a role to play with this?
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Because lots of other women that have, been, have grown up like you would be like, that was not a situation for me. I did mm-hmm. not feel that.
1: Could you help us connect that? Yeah. I think um, one of the reasons why I believe it's connected is because my body didn't know how to prepare for sex and mm. lacking the right education I wasn't aware that, you know, lubricant is necessary. There's no shame to use lubricant. And and so just going straight into penetrative sex without any foreplay left my body completely unready to, to receive penetrative sex.
0: And I guess what's interesting about that is the more your vagina or vulva is proven right, right, like this – penis coming in and doing its thing without any kind of warning or warm up is like, no, 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 I'm right in protection. This is not natural. And the cycle then just perpetuates each time it's proven right with every try that it just gets like a, a, you know, a chokehold almost like it just keeps on like a vice. Can you physically feel anything happening? Absolutely.
1: Like, does it feel uh, tightened? Yeah, I can feel those muscles tightening, but then my the rest of my body also responds in a bit of a tightening way as well. And then, because the pain sends signals to my brain, my brain goes, "Oh, this isn't good," and and therefore you kind of shut down. Did you see growing
0: up sex scenes on TV or movies? No, they were often fast-forwarded. So you had no, like literally no idea and he had no idea.
1: Yeah, we, we were operating off very little
0: knowledge. So now we have vaginismus and we have a diagnosis. Are you relieved? Yes, hugely. And then there's, okay, we have a condition. Do you tell your family and and your husband
1: and your friends? Yeah. The reason I actually went to see a doctor and a pelvic floor physiotherapist is because I ended up confiding in a friend because I was like, I can't keep doing this. Like we're six years in. Surely I can work out what's going on. And I'd actually heard the term vaginismus thrown around. And so Mm -hmm. I thought, oh maybe that's me. Is this within the community you've heard this?
0: Yes. So now in present day, you having that purity culture and hearing that around, do you think it's, it's more than just you? You've, there's other women that have been raised this way that have had this condition.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Has that been made true? Like, Do you actually have evidence with other
1: women like you've discussed this with? I have met a few others who have experienced some sort of um, pain with sex, and they have been involved in religion in some way, shape, or form. Whether it's as deep as mine, I, I'm, I'm not one hundred percent, but yeah. Do we have the support of family, friends, and the partner? Yes, I, I like my husband was completely great, like happy that we had a name for what was going on. Um, and then I ended up, yeah, and sharing with my, my mom and my family as well, just, you know, to let them know what had been going on. So yeah, a lot of people had heard about it by this point and had support.
0: And now is the road to recovery, mm. right?
1: How long is that process? For myself, mm. it took about eight months from start to being able to have penetrative sex. I wouldn't say completely pain-free penetrative sex, but I was able to have penetrative sex. What is the steps to that? Is that the vaginal massage? Is that dilators? What is that? The path that I took was dilators. I worked with a pelvic floor physio for those eight months. We worked through dilators. We did breathing techniques, and I also saw a sex therapist as well. Wow. The sex therapist would have
0: been quite (laughs) eye-opening for you. (laughs) Holy shit. (laughs) Was that the women's physio's suggestion? Yes, it was. Okay. So now we're marrying, I'm sure, the mind-body connection with the sex therapist. What were you uncovering when you were with them around the way you were raised and around the purity culture.
1: Yeah, it was a very interesting conversation and one that I say, I saw the sex therapist when I was, I believe I was 20, I can't remember when it was 26 or 27, and that's when I got my sex education. Was that a shock? Yes, complete shock. Was it, did
0: you find it with the knowledge that you were raised with disgusting or disturbing or were you...
1: Uh, like what were excited? What was happening? Yeah. By that stage, I'd done a lot of inner work in myself. I'd started doing a bit more learning around sex and sexuality. And I was actually really happy to learn that my body wasn't broken. It's just that I hadn't been educated properly on how to have sex. Was it really painful
0: though, working through those
1: dilators? And for those that don't know what a dilator is, can you explain that? Yeah. A dilator is basically just a plastic dildo. Uh, It comes in- Very medical looking though, right? It's not like (laughs) fun and pink and (laughs) veins through it. Yeah. (laughs) They're very hideous. There are some better ones these days. um, But when I was doing it, they were just like this plastic straight up and down inflexible build rod. rod. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Rod. rod. Okay. Exactly. And how tiny does it start like a pinky or less than? It starts about a pinky size. Yep. And then it works up to your average penis size.
0: And when you're working with a dilator, because I'd spoken to some trans women about this post-surgery, but for this situation, when you're working from pinky upwards, how long and how, like, so how many times... Throughout the day, do you need to insert? And then when do you
1: know that you need to move up to the next size? So generally speaking, you want to try doing it at least once a day and you can move up a size when it doesn't feel painful anymore upon insertion. Could
0: that take weeks on one size or is it? It could. So you could be having a good run and then this one dilator stalls you and then you need to work on it over and over.
1: Yes. For myself, even there was times where I felt comfortable with one size and then I wanted to move up to the next one, but it was almost like the next one was still too big. So I'd almost have to just do like inch by inch to slowly get used to it. Uh, A lot of breathing techniques were used to stop that muscle contraction from occurring. Are we talking then eight months of dilator use?
0: Yes. It's, it's fucked, isn't it? Because it's like, you it's, don't- it, yeah,
1: it is very fucked. It's like, I hated doing oh, it. Oh, like, oh, like even
0: when I remember very differently, but the before birth, the doctor telling me to stretch hmm. my perennium and that, I can't imagine what that would have been like for you for eight months, that would have been at times like soul crushing. Like, I don't want to do another day. I'm sick of it. It's not fair. You know, it would have been, oof, you had some will, you know, to, <laughs> <laughs> you did. And you do like to have that eight months is a long time.
1: It is. And, every and I'm sure day. there's
0: other people that every day, and I'm sure there are people that are like, eight months, mine took three years. Right. You know, or Correct. whatever. Yes. Um.
1: Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
0: It's, to me, fascinating and makes so much sense that if the way you're raised around sexuality, sensuality, the female, male body, trans bodies, all of that, if you are kept in a box and then you're expected to act without any kind of insight, it makes so much sense that your body could produce something like this, a condition that is so debilitating. What is so sad is that you then have to navigate this with this I guess, darkness all the way through to then seeing a sex therapist, getting a sex education, someone in their late twenties. I'm sure then sharing that with your partner, which would have been really interesting because you're still coming from a place of religious beliefs and and the way you were raised. And you're probably
1: saying some very outrageous things. Was it well-received? Yes, he's always been incredibly supportive of everything that I've been learning and unlearning and just, I guess, by pure luck, he's often been on the same page. Tell me then about the first time
0: after that eight months. I'm sure it was sore, but was it satisfying? Was it like, fuck, we fucking did it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I was like, this is what it feels like.
0: And was it quite radical in the way, you know, from how, I guess, closed you were to being able to receive?
1: Yeah, I definitely felt a very unique connection to my partner after that experience. Mm. I love that you bring that up because I
0: often sense that when me and my partner are a bit like get into, you know, the nitty-gritty of life and we're a bit narky at each other and if we're intimate, there's this real – you know, physical bond, but something that happens and it must be like the primate kind of urges of togetherness. Yeah. was Did that cha- – I mean, obviously sex changes a relationship, but
1: tell me a bit about what that brought to you both. I think it brought a new closeness, a new connection. We'd been navigating this path for so long and exploring and questioning things and then finally we'd kind of i guess gotten to the light at the end of the tunnel and succeeded in something that we were trying to work through mm. and it was all, it was almost like a, a relief to be honest yeah did you both want children at that stage i had been telling myself that i didn't want children as a self protection
0: yes and then did you have to work through a therapist to undo that
1: belief? No, it was more just a conscious thought process that I took myself once we succeeded in having penetrative sex and then were able to do it again and again. Eventually I kind of had this thought one day, I was like, ooh, I think I actually do want to be a mum one day.
0: Does this condition impact
1: birth at all or having a child in any way it can it can depending on the severity of the condition i worked with a pelvic floor physiotherapist again for my pregnancy to just make sure that my pelvic floor was prepared for birth Um, i didn't want to be too tight as such because of my condition i have a hypertense pelvic floor Mm -mm. and there is a risk that if you're too tight it can hinder bub coming down the canal it's a funny thing because everyone talks,
0: you know, there's this society view or bullshit around, you know, after you birth, you're a loosey goosey and all this crap. And um, I remember keggling <laughs> like crazy with my first child so much so that on my checkup with the pelvic floor specialist, she had to untighten wow. my left side. It was so tight. Um, And I think that's really interesting because, you know, as I said before, there's a spectrum. And I think within society and and women going, oh, I need to really work that muscle too, you can really overdo it. So I think that's something really interesting to flag. Going back into now having a sex life. Does this um, have a slow burn or are you guys just like little rabbits, like trying to make up for lost time? Are you wanting to do, you know, exploration? Now you have this
1: sex therapist. What does it look like for you? Mm, it's interesting because I thought that once I had penetrative sex that that would just be the sex that we had. Uh, but as it turns out, I still wasn't as interested in it. Mm. I think because there was still that little element of it not being like 100% pleasurable for me, I didn't find internal pleasure, like the ever elusive G-spot wasn't really doing anything for me. So I prefer- many of us all. Right, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So I preferred out of course, Mm. hand jobs. Oh, I love
0: that. I've never really heard of out of course. Yeah. Clitoral stimulation, things like that. Yeah, exactly. Did you ever find a place where you were like, no, I'm finding this pleasurable now and I can use my outer course and my intercourse as
1: a bit of a interwoven thing? It probably just depends where I am in my menstrual cycle. Like Mm. whether I'm ovulating, I'm usually a lot higher in my libido. So pleasure is a lot easier to find as opposed to other parts in my cycle. It's a bit harder to find pleasure as easily. Um, So it's honestly just dependent. It's so dependent on what's happening day to day. Is my mind filled with things that have to get done and all those sorts of things? I do find my sex drive can be quite affected by that as well. Mm. Did this change your relationship with the church? Yes. By then we had left the church.
0: Wow. Wow by then as in when you got your diagnosis or prior to that.
1: It was probably just a little bit prior. What's the reason for that? We didn't find our community in the church that we were going to um and we didn't feel that we needed to be going to a weekly service to, you know, have a relationship with, you know, a spiritual being or yeah, we didn't have friends there, so we're like, well, what's the point? Are you still uh, a practicing Christian? No,
0: I'm not. Okay. Is, has that been okay with your family?
1: No, it's difficult. Um, yeah. It's a hard thing to, underst- to explain to someone that mm. hasn't gone through that process themselves. Um, so it's it's been a difficult one to try and explain. Do you think if you didn't have this experience,
0: you would have left?
1: Yeah, I think at some point, one way or another, I I would have, definitely. Okay, so there was like an
0: outgrowing of this. Yep. A- are you still together with your husband?
1: Yes, I am. Wow. Yeah, For we just reached that. 10 years.
0: <laughs> Yay, congrats. <laughs> so... Are you doing some level of service to this community now? Because i obviously had no idea about this. Do you find other women that need kind of your guidance or experience to move forward into finding the right specialists or the right people for them? Like, have you become a bit of a spokesperson perhaps?
1: Yeah. I mean, I'd like to think so. I when I started working through all this myself and becoming a lot more sexually liberated in my own body and in the own way, my own way that I presented myself, I started finding a community that a lot of other women were experiencing this. And there's two sides of the community. I believe there's one side where people see it as an issue and they, they work through it. But then unfortunately there's another side of the community where women don't know that there's a solution to trying to To cure this condition and therefore they just put up with it and have painful penetrative sex over and over again. And they think that that is the way it should feel or they just accept that is the way that it feels? They just accept it as that's the cards they've been dealt. I was a part of a very large Facebook group of people that were experiencing this condition or various types of this condition and and that is post after post would go up every single day of someone saying i'm experiencing this but you know i'm 50 now and this is just what this is just what it is you know could you imagine Mm. your whole life your
0: whole exploration of sexuality you've been robbed yeah So you've actually started a business.
1: Can we talk about that? Because is that quite intertwined or is that quite separate? It's very intertwined. I, I started it as a business, like I started an Instagram to share my story, that I had found a way to work through this and I wanted to find a community of people that were also experiencing this. So I didn't feel so alone. And then I wanted to be able to share. I wanted to learn from others as well. What were the things that worked for them? How did did they rediscover things for themselves? And then there was many people that I was following that inspired me to become more sexually liberated, to find more about myself, to really connect with my sexuality. And slowly, slowly, it just merged into... A business where I now coach women around many many issues, whether it's painful sex, whether it's you know not being able to orgasm, whether it's low libido, whether they don't know how to connect to themselves, they don't even know what they like. It's mm. quite varied, um, but mm. generally themes around sex and sexuality.
0: Because you are seeing the sexual therapist, and it really is the student becoming the teacher.
1: So would you call yourself a, a, are you a sex therapist? I can't call myself a therapist. I'm a sexuality coach. Got it. Okay.
0: So within this, within this work that you're doing, what percentage would you say that people seek you out because you have had their experience?
1: Um, at least 50%. Wow.
0: So this is like when I said I'd never heard of this, you were so shocked because you're like, wow, there's so many mm. women that are suffering. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I just can't imagine that how that impacts so much of their life, not just their relationship with their lover, but confidence and the way they present to the world and whether that is religious or not. Because did you learn much about, you know, people that haven't been raised with purity culture? This is still a thing. This is still existing. Is there any lines through commonalities? Like I would I would assume like sexual abuse. Yeah. Um, are there any other kind of common ones that cause
1: it? One of the other really common ones is often post-birth. So depending, yes. depending on how recovery has gone for you, maybe you've torn, maybe there's scarring, that also can affect um, so that one is often called secondary vaginismus because uh. pre-b- like pre-birth you've been able to have penetrative sex fine but then post-birth it's not fine anymore and it hurts so it's usually coined as secondary vaginismus.
0: Is that the three main pillars, would you say? Yeah, I vaginismus? would say. Yeah. Yeah. Is there ever um, – clients that you meet that just are quite accepting of the condition, want to make,
1: find peace with it rather than work through it with things like dilators and therapists? Fortunately, I haven't met anyone like that yet. Um, I have worked with a number of people who are actively wanting to find a solution for themselves so that it's not this issue in their relationships or even just in their own relationships to themselves.
0: Okay. So if we then reflect and there are women listening, parents listening, okay, cool. I get that that was a part of your really religious upbringing and you had deep boundaries around purity and and sexuality, and I'm a little more fluid and I'm in the world. It's tricky, right, how to explore bodies, functions, sex with your children growing up. Have there been ways that you think could be helpful to teach parents
1: like what is a detrimental thing versus what is something that could be really helpful? Yes. I think one of the biggest things that I feel to teach my own son and if we have any other kids is our sexuality is part of us. And I really want to normalize the conversations around it so that, you know, there would be stages, there would be age appropriate stages of when you discuss things. But I don't want them to get to, you know, seven or eight and then they've never heard of the concept of sex before or they've never heard about, you know, that things might feel good. I want it just to be normal. I want it to be part of what they just know. Like they get told how to eat well, to look after their body. Yeah. I believe that sexuality should also have the same place. How would we do that? I had a friend share a story with me last year and her daughter um, was on a pole and Mm. she was rubbing against it because it felt good. And – And she said to her daughter, oh, why are you doing that? She's like, well, it feels good. And she's like, okay, great. Do you know why it feels good? And just gave a brief explanation as to why it felt good and then just left it at that.
0: As in your privates have um, a use to excrete, but also it can be used as a pleasure point. Yes. Okay. Okay. And then they go, what's pleasure? And you say something that feels good and you kind of end it there.
1: Yeah. So interesting. Yeah, look, my, my son is only one. I have not figured this out yet. This is just my idea of how I think I'm going to do it. Uh, I'm still very much working it out as I go. Yeah,
0: it's so interesting. I haven't figured it out completely. I feel like right now, you know, we discuss the concept of death and things like that. Soon as we get into sex... I'm just not sure yet where we go, Mm. you know, and I think that element of the pole is a great example where it's quite in the moment where they can mind body connect that thing versus discuss it as a concept might be too big.
1: Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I think one of the other things that a lot of our generation did grow up with, especially as girls was if we did touch ourselves, it, the, Rhetoric was, oh, don't do that. That's gross. Yes. So just even simply changing that to okay, that's a pri- that's pri- that's private, right? Exactly. Yes. We don't do that in public, but you can do
0: it at home. It's because we're also trying to connect their understanding that their privates are just for them, which is going to be confusing when they hit puberty and they're wanting to touch other people's privates. And we're going to have to have a new (laughs) conversation and maybe that's just it. Maybe it's like an evolving thing. Yeah, fuck, that's really tricky because I think from your life experience and your youth growing into this, it'd be so interesting to know now how you will raise your child. You know, whether you go the whole other end (laughs) and then he
1: comes back and meets you in the middle somewhere. Yeah, Um, I mean, having a mum who's a sex coach, like he's going to be so exposed to everything so early on, which I'm not opposed to. I'm fine with that. Like I have vulva art all over the diagram, you know, like yes. it's everywhere. It's in, it's going to be in his face. So it's going to be very normalized, but I can also yeah. understand someone who is not in that environment all the time, it can be really tricky. How do we find that balance? And I think it is what you said. It's going to be an ever evolving conversation based on their understanding levels.
0: And it's going to be momentary. Like I think you're going to, it's almost like you can't plan the conversations. They're going to pop up. And I remember, um, I think it was, I don't know when it was. He was watching his birth. My son was watching his birth and um, was just- I was like, I can turn it off if it's too much. And he was shocked and enthralled and all of the things. He just couldn't believe that mummy's vagina did that. And um, I think in those moments, because that's the thing, right, it's very – there's so many uses for the vulva. Right. (laughs) And the breasts. Right. You know, more so than the male anatomy is like – so now when he – Because he fed for 16 months and he's still very connected to my breasts, but more in a cheeky way now, you know, more in a silly way. And that's an evolving thing too. It's like, mum doesn't actually like when you pull her nipples, that's her private part. And please don't do that. (laughs) Yes. You know, I totally get you on that. (laughs) So all
1: of those things. Um, Do you feel like we missed anything today that could be helpful? I believe that one of the biggest things when people do experience this condition is they take on something that kind of, t- they blame themselves for this. Or they, they think, well, maybe, especially if, you're, if someone is coming out of a religious environment or you are in a religious environment, maybe you think you caused it because you did something to, add quotations, sin. Mm -hmm. this is a body condition involuntary. It is an involuntary body condition that it does occur from whether it's negative sex association, whether you've had sexual trauma for if that has happened, it, you didn't do this to yourself. Mm. And I just, I, I want to make sure that people understand that This is not the cards that they have been dealt. But should they pull it apart a little bit more, think about pleasure and connecting to their body, then there is a way forward.
0: And I think it's really important, we might do an episode on this, the vagina, the vulva, I should say, and how incredibly intelligent it is. So, for example, I know somebody that was being cheated on. And when her and her partner had intercourse, she produced a stench. Wow. Which would quite literally repel him. Wow. For as long as it took. She didn't even know. Fascinating. That the. Affair was happening but somehow the DNA and all of that picked it up and repelled. Like I, I think that we really need to understand the vulva and the incredible intelligence it holds and also honour that. Like I don't, like you said, the pushing through things yeah. just because society makes us feel that women should hmm. perform or receive or be of service, and all the shit that we've grown up with throughout the ages. I think there is real value in learning more about the vulva and its needs versus it's my fault. Oh my God, I smell, I stink, I'm disgusting, I have discharge, I have all of the things mm. yep. that we put, you know, the shame that we put on our poor vulvas and they create life. You know, these vaginas create life. So you've really triggered something there. I think we need to deeper dive into. But our final question (laughs) for today. Who are you when no one's watching?
1: I am a Scorpio, so I am. (laughs) That says a lot. (laughs) I am very passionate. I get very fired up. I... Love to have fun. I love to be uninhibited by Mm. anything and anyone. And if you caught me with, you know, my girlfriends or at home, I'm just this carefree, fiery, passionate person that loves talking about sex. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. (laughs)
0: thank you so much for being with us on the deep today thanks Zoe I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the deep if it's left you with any burning questions for me or our guests please hit us up by direct message on instagram at what's the deep